Hello there, this is Fiona, host and main GM for What Am I Rolling, a twice-monthly RPG one-shot podcast. This is a bonus Q&A episode to tide us over to the next one-shot, and it's indeed a very special Q&A, as just last week I had the absolute pleasure of interviewing Alad Lawler and Penny Otis Lines, the founders of Leyline Press. Leyline Press is a London-based tabletop gaming company, which produces indie tabletop role-playing games and sci-fi and fantasy adventure modules for a wide range of RPG systems. Their latest game, Salvage Union, is a post-apocalyptic mech role-playing game powered by the Quest RPG system. Players take on the role of mech pilots who make ends meet by salvaging scrap within a post-apocalyptic wasteland. These pilots, as well as their entire ecosystem and community, live on a huge ship-like mech known as a Union Crawler. Players will range out of this crawler on their scrap-built mechs to tackle the denizens of the wasteland in a constant hunt for salvage to upgrade and to survive. As of recording and the release of this interview, Salvage Union has met its funding goals on Kickstarter and is well on its way to completing a number of stretch goals too. If you're interested, I've put a link to that Kickstarter and to Alid and Panny's other work on the What Am I Rolling website and in this episode's show notes. Let's begin then. So could you tell us a little bit about yourselves? Who are you and what do you do? You want to go first? Yeah, why not? First question is the hardest. First question is the hardest. Yeah, so we're um, Leyland Press. We're a London-based tabletop RPG company. Uh, We produce indie tabletop games like Salvage Union, um, a post-apocalyptic mech tabletop RPG we've just launched on Kickstarter. And we also do a bunch of modules for lots of other systems, such as Old School Essentials and Mothership, and uh, lots of cool stuff in between that. I mean, Penny's sort of like, uh, sorry, I'm Alad, by the way. Um, and um, I also uh, work for, well, co-founded, I don't know. Well, what, what are the words? All the words have gone. Uh, yeah, so uh, Penny also neglected to mention some of the stuff that we've done, uh, I, I guess, before we um, yes, did. Yes, please. Press. So um, probably the most famous one, I think, was the post-Brexit RPG that Penny wrote, um, Shadow of Mog. Um, that's, a, that's a good uh, idea, that, post-Brexit. Post-Brexit. That's, I'd play that. That's, that, that's not that's hilariously... That's not hilariously niche and is going to date very badly is it um yeah we were really looking for future sales on that one i mean um, i don't know i think people like playing in dystopian futures or at least a version that's not happening right now and already yeah, right. i think i think it sells i think it sells. yeah and then on the the other side of the spectrum we've also got mutants which is um a game about cats with superpowers so uh yeah uh, <laughs> we, we we try and cover we basically try and cover oh, every right. every so, niche yes, yeah, yeah. <laughs> for those people who like their dark Dystopian <laughs> political stuff and also yeah. cats with superpowers. You've got the cats basics with laser there teams. Yeah, Press. no, exactly. Yeah. So obviously you started Leyline Press very recently as well. So what drove you two to start obviously a company together? And right now, what was the sort of driving things towards that? We met actually working at Modifius. Um, so we we both worked there and then we both sort of like wanted to sort of set off on our own and do our own thing. So, I mean, we, we did that. I mean, Panny started with um, Shadow of Mog and I went off and made Mutants. Um, and um, we sort of had, you know, other things in progress. One of the things I was working on at the time was Salvage Union, but um, obviously going it alone was really difficult for me at least, um, mostly because um, as I was saying earlier, I can't bring myself to send more than one tweet a month. And um, <laughs> that's just not really good for publicity. Whereas Panny's really good at that. So I was like, yeah, Panny, do you want to, do you want to, do you want to hook up? Sorry, I'm crazy. 
Uh, Do you want to join forces? Quiet. Join, um, yeah, join our join our talents. Um, yeah. yeah, I mean, and uh, I mean, on a on a wider note, in that respect, we're both just like massive nerds and have been so for a very long time. Like I started playing Warhammer when I was about nine um, mm-hmm. in the in the in the distant nineties. Now, Alad, I mean, yeah, um, you tell me, you, you started early. What what was your? Uh, yeah, it's ten. Warhammer again when I was uh, <laughs> ten. My friend Mal introduced me to it, and then um, yeah, you know, it's 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 good. Like you know, it means that you grow up on the straight and narrow. There's never any money for like you know drugs and booze as a, <laughs> if you know, play Warhammer. So it's a, it's a different um, kind of drug, I think. It is, yeah. Um, arguably, I'm not sure if it's more or less wholesome uh, in mm. a weird way these days. Yes. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> Currently, my retirement plan. Yeah. Because <laughs> see the massive stack of Warhammer boxes behind me. I was going to say, yeah. Again, for the yeah. listeners at home, obviously we're recording on Zoom, and obviously, well, currently I'm in the closet, so I can't complain. But I'm just like, what are those boxes behind Panny? And so now we know. We know it's just all. It's all his um, 1990s out of print, sort of like uh, the the lead ones, right, Penny? Unironically, oh, yes. It's <laughs> yeah. Chaos dreadnoughts and they're like catachans with their strange faces. Yeah. Um, yeah. Actually, it's a good point. Before we go on, then, so this idea of obviously marketing yourself. So as you said, you've just sort of started Leyline Press, and obviously you've done your own stuff. Obviously, Alad, you sort of talked about like you hate social media like that sort of thing it's hard yeah to know it's, it's 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 not that i hate it i'm just not very i'm not very good at it and i'm not yeah. very um what do you call it um yeah I, I just don't i can't i can't bring myself to do it and yeah. um i think um when i did the art for i did the art for shadow of mog as well because i i you know my main thing is production like you know i really like making mm-hmm. things look nice and stuff like that so um panny is really good at like writing stuff and actually getting people to read it as well. So it felt like it was kind of a good match, right, Penny? I mean, honestly, like I'm I'm not the huge fan of marketing either. Like in terms of like I mean, any anyone promoting themselves, um, unless yes. they're incredibly steely, is going to feel a certain inner like pain and yes. cringe at that but um yeah i seem to um have some experience doing it um indeed i worked at modiphius and did uh, marketing there and i sort of had a broad career before that um in the non-gaming world in the real world as it were um with uh marketing and media and all that yeah. jazz so yeah so you sort of you just sort of just like sod it i'll do it but i, I think it's interesting because it is true like when you are starting out and that's certainly i know from a podcast point of view it's like you just have to go and just signal boost yourself and be like, hello, this is awkward. Here's my stuff. You will enjoy it. I promise. Yeah. It is It is a guarantee. And it. And I think it is such a hard thing to do. So congrats to well, to both of you on that, just to be like p- pushing out, obviously, Leyline Press and obviously Salvage Union, which we'll go on to in a second. But just to go back, so you sort of briefly mentioned about Warhammer, both of you. So that, was yeah. that your sort of foray into tabletop RPGs or was there other RPGs that you both played growing up or, or recently that you were like, this is what we want to do as writers, I guess, and game designers? So yeah, Warhammer was my first foray into like the tabletop world, but then um, D&D um, started like hovering in my um, subconscious. I first remember talking about it when I was about 12 or 13, mm-hmm. and then we cracked open the 3.x rule books when I was about 15 or so, but we didn't quite get it. And then 4th edition came along, and while it was a bit of a controversial edition of the game, it did help introduce me and all my friends at that time uh, mm-hmm. to the game because it was like super simple, super well laid out, everything made sense. Um, it copied a few popular video games of the time uh, without starting a comment thread um which in a weird way was good because all all my friends were familiar with that game um and yeah so that's how i got my start in it and then from that i went on a weird trajectory and now i run like really esoteric old school 80s dnd it's one of my favorite editions um so yeah nice nice 
quite the opposite actually so um i'd never played um i don't think an official rpg book of any kind until like i certainly I, i'd never played D until i started working for modifius i don't think every rpg i'd ever done was always like a homebrew thing mm. um so it started like when i was 10 years old me and my uh, friend at the time used to stay up really late and we'd have a pad and a pen and we would just basically take warhammer or well Warhammer 40,000 stat blocks from the miniatures game and then we would just basically you know we have roll d6s and draw maps and tell oh. stories essentially yeah so then it kind of developed so then everything i ever ran really was always homebrew essentially so then yeah, when, when, when I went to start um, doing actual sort of RPG designing, I was like, oh, right, okay, now, then this is one of the other problems I had when I set off on my own. I was like, oh, right, okay, now I have to develop a sort of like, you know, 18-month syllabus of like, okay, <laughs> what, what are all these games? What, what, what is a mechanic? Um, and, uh, you know, actually, oh, God, what am I doing? I've decided to make role-playing games, but, you know, I, I have no idea what, what, what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, um, that was was kind of like my thing but yeah very much um you know yeah warhammer is the gateway drug right um especially in the <laughs> 90s it was like because the, the, the shops were just everywhere as well right mm. so it was like i mean i lived in north wales we didn't have one we had to go to chester which was like 50 minutes on the train but um uh you know we'd we'd do the um yeah we do the monthly pilgrimage and um <laughs> you know take all the saved pocket money and spend it all on you know overpriced plastic but uh yeah you know and that 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 was the thing i think like yeah you'd be hard pressed to find many people certainly of like my age i think who's foray into like it wasn't through games workshop in some way or another mm. maybe like fighting fantasy um, would mm. be would be another way um, but then they're, they're kind of a little bit older i think maybe. i'm not sure Panny, you'll tell me he's the he's our resident historian uh, they are <laughs> old but um they're always being reprinted i mean i had a set of fighting fantasy books as a kid but someone bought mm. me um, yeah yeah like a reprint um so. <laughs> i remember i remember reading the joe diva um lone wolf and cub ones they were i was really really into those mm. um again lent to me by my friend mal i think i can blame my friend mal actually for basically all of this it's, sure. it's like all blame his blame or credit that's yeah, yeah. Same blame thing, credit really. yeah sure yeah <laughs> as you sort of alluded to you've had a whole both of you have had a whole range of, of sort of topics that sort of in running rpgs so obviously uh like warhammer sort of that high fantasy obviously D D and the other home stuff. is there a particular genre or a particular theme of rpg that you like whether like really crunchy or really rules light or a sci-fi or fantasy is there any one that you like oh i love running them or i love playing in them well, i mean i know what panties is but you know I'll <laughs> <tell> you <laughs> <laughs> i mean i think the crux of like what always drew me to rpgs when i first started playing them was that like you can you can just do anything like there's a there's a, there's a boundless fantasy scape here and the choices you can make can actually like really matter if this world has like structure and rules and then there's ways to interact with it and you can like make in a weird way meaningful decisions so like mm -hmm. um my preferred systems and games tend to be ones that are enhanced for that and i really like yeah old school like basic and expert D, &D um or like old school essentials which is a remake of that that um tidies it up a bit it does all that in a very simple rules light package um mm -hmm. like it really focuses on player agency and exploration and adventure and all the choices you make and all that jazz um and on top of that i guess i just like a bit of horror and weirdness mm. and esoter esotericism is that a word yeah um, it is now <laughs>
It is now, yeah. I think, um, yeah, I mean, that was a really long answer, Penny, to say just old school D&D, human fighter only. Like, you know. <laughs> I, have to, I have to justify it. Because um, <laughs> I just say D&D. Like... Yeah, I guess, I guess for me, actually, um, you know, actually, uh, the, the one game, actually, that I've read really recently that I really, really liked and I thought worked really, really well was um, the new Alien RPG by Freemix. Yes. I really, really liked that. I thought that was... Really good. But then, so I bought the whole thing and um, I think the thing actually is, and this is, I think, what I really liked about it was the cinematic that they did, the, um, uh, what was it called? Um, Chariot of the Gods. Mm, the scenario. Think, yeah, the scenario that they released with it as the sort of, as their quick start is absolutely fantastic. And I, I actually really like that sort of narrativist kind of play, I guess. And um, I, I really like sort of short, punchy things like that. I mean, if I'm playing a campaign, I like sort of, you know, just kind of old school fantasy. I like mm -hmm. anything I do, actually, what I really like is really trope heavy stuff, um, mm -hmm. because I find that those tropes can just really help cut down on the mental load needed to understand what's going on. Mm -hmm. So when you sort of, when you use them, you know, cleverly, like not just sort of like, you know, slapping them in and, you know, using yeah. them really really, but um, if, if they're used well, then you can kind of actually fill in a lot of gaps, like, mm -hmm. or, you know, you can let players fill in their own gaps and it's usually accurate enough for the sake of playing a game and also rules that just get out of the way. Um, I'm, I'm not, I'm not really big on crunchy systems and yeah. often, I mean, you know, I know, old school D&D isn't a crunchy system at its heart because yeah. like obviously you, you just make stuff up but you know sometimes I feel like that's got too much crunch for me so um, uh, you know when, when you talk about stuff like fifth edition and things like that it's um, it, yeah it's, it's way too much for me sadly and that's why I guess you know uh, Salvage Union came about because um, mm -hmm. we were sort of talking about um, initially came about because we were talking about the new um, <laughs> my friend Mel was telling me about Adeptus Titanicus from Games Workshop and um, I was like no I've stopped buying Games Workshop stuff because I, I don't have the money um, to perpetually <laughs> spend and um, so I was like I'll make my, I'll make my own mech game uh, with Blackjack and um, etc yeah that's kind of where it came from but then it sort of ended up just getting distilled down and down and down because you start making a mech game and then you immediately start making a tabletop war game because mm. that's that's the way like mechs usually work yeah and i'd sort of basically sort of written this manuscript which was kind of like mess hodgepodge of like various rules and then i was kind of like oh maybe quests work for it. i don't know and then and, uh, yeah so when i joined up with panny i basically just threw the whole thing at him and said panny can you can you fix this please <laughs> Because that's what friends and business partners are for. Yeah, right. Um, yeah, exactly. So yeah, so let's talk about Salvage Union because obviously on the day that we're recording this, uh, the Kickstarter has gone live, which is incredibly exciting. That's right. Yeah. And yeah, you uh, mentioned Quest as well, which is the core game uh, thing, which is something we've not played on the podcast yet, but I have had a look at it, and I absolutely love how simple it is. So I guess yeah, from from both of your points of view, so give us a brief overview of what Salvage Union is and how does it differ from other tabletop RPGs. So yeah, Savage Union is a um, like post-apocalyptic, um, very narrative-focused um, mech role-playing game. And I think the main way it differs is um, that it's purposely designed to be um, simple and accessible, easy to learn, and you can just get straight into the action without learning a vast array of rules. And uh, we use Quest for that because... 
the core variable like quest has basically a d20 variable resolution core mechanic which means when you roll the d20 sometimes you succeed but sometimes you, you're forced into like a tough choice and um, sometimes you fail with a consequence it's that sort of yes and or yes but or no but thing and what that lets you do um within a game and even within a mech game is that when the players describe something interesting like you know tripping over another mech with their um, huge rigging arm or something like that you can just go to that core mechanic without having to write like a rigging arm trip rule mm-hmm. <laughs> and so that's the gist of it that lets you have simplicity i mean layered on top of that um you we have like abilities that you can um trigger but again they're meant to be like super evocative and punchy so you like press a button and like the enemy mech's legs blow off or their arm comes off or they overheat and explode um, rather than, you know, having to worry about armor points and um, tracking exact um, heat levels on each of your leg parts and and all that um, crunchy (laughs) jazz, which I will add is fun and I love that stuff, but we wanted to make um, something a bit different. That's The sort of key thing that I think that was the main design challenge, I think, was kind of going, right, okay, well, let's let's use a really simple core resolution, but how do we still make it a mech game? So the way we sort of achieved it in the end was by backloading all of the crunch, essentially. So all the, the, the vast majority of the sort of the really crunchy mech stuff, which is sort of, you know, building those systems and modules and like, you know, upgrading and, um, uh, you know, changing out your mech um, is all done kind of in downtime. Mm-hmm. So it's yes. not done as sort of part of the, it's not done as part of the sort of main play, if you like, which once you've done all of that sort of crunchy upgrade, downgrade, you basically, essentially, you have a list of narrative abilities and you activate them in various ways. Some obviously like this heat. And so we've got kind of stress tables and stuff so we can start tracking uh, that. So we've got heat stress and um, then we've got energy as well, um, energy points or ability points, which is kind of comes from the core quest uh, mechanic. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, which allows you to do like kind of really impactful uh, stuff during the session. And then the kind of the idea behind it is that you just have a list of these things that you can do um, that are sort of really impactful. And then anything else you can kind of do anyway, for the most part, Um, it's just a case of describe what you want to do, roll the dice. And then we just see like, you know, uh, see, Mm -hmm. see what happens. And um, again, it's one of those things, I think like the first time we played um, the thing, it just worked really well because it was kind of like, right. Okay. You know, what, what do you, really want out of a mech game I, I kind of just want to describe all oh, right okay yeah i'm in the you know the the snipery sort mm-hmm. of mech i want to stand on the hill and you know shoot shoot my railgun and that you know i don't necessarily need to go into all of that crunchy mm-hmm. detail when it comes to resolving the action as you would in in a war game because it's it's a, it's an rpg so let's just let that go and mm-hmm. you know we we sort of bring that um because that's that's another thing that we kind of wanted to do is um because Mech Warrior Three, I loved the Mech creator in that. I spent so many hours just making mechs, and I kind of <laughs> wanted to have that in this. So yeah. you know, there, there's all of this stuff, and then there's a crafting system bolted on as well. So when you go finding stuff, you can build these systems and modules, and then you know, add them on and everything. Yeah, no, it's I when I was looking it through, obviously beautifully designed. Uh, so hats yeah. off to the, you there, because obviously it looks incredible. As we were saying before, like when you showed us the uh, sort of copy that you have, I was like, oh, that was going to look great on a coffee table or a book as well as reading from it whilst you're doing yeah. your game so fantastic work on that all, all, all credit to the artists on that one um, it is true it. but i think it's yeah. so, but it's just so because it's so eye-catching as well this is the design of mm. it and and obviously with the uh, with the quick start as well which i obviously i know is available for people to go and have a look at just now is that you have 
obviously these sort of uh, um, oh, pre-generated characters already yeah. done. And, and actually, I, I love how different they are in the quick start, I say. And you could also say for the, the core book as well, is there a particular element that you you folks really like? And you're like, oh, this is such a cool little bit that you designed. And it's like something like, oh, I'm really glad that this is in there. There's a couple of bits, actually, that I'm, I'm really sort of keen on. One is the um, the scout and um, yes. the, the snow globe that she's holding, which um, uh, that was actually Fran Francesco put that in. And, um, uh, you know, he, he just put that in and I was like, oh, that's just that's just perfect. That's and so it's cute. like, yeah, you know, little Arco in there. And also the um, credit to Panny on this one, the description of the um, uh, modded laser pistol for the hacker. Um, I'm really keen on <laughs> because it's just, you know, I'll, I'll read it for you. Um, yes, please. Uh, a handheld laser pistol modded with additional RGB lights, see-through casing, and a synthesizer that makes appropriate laser sounds when fired. <laughs> um, which I thought was really nice because, like, th there is this kind of weird tension actually in Salvage Union between kind of like hard sci-fi and more of a sort of fancy do whatever you want sort of mm -hmm. thing. And um, so, yeah, there's like to sort of represent that a bit is that sort of whole thing of, you know, lasers don't actually make a noise when you fire them right, but they feel like they should. So, you know, a hacker <laughs> would definitely want that. So, yeah. A thousand percent. And what about you, Panny? I mean, well, I mean, as a as a slight um, aside in terms of the art, it is fantastic. We do have a great mm -hmm. team on board, um, including uh, Hamish Freighter, um, Francesco Silva, and Alex Connolly have been creating some wonderful pieces. Um, I often somewhat wryly joke that um, we're in the sort of coffee table book industry rather than the yeah. Yeah. industry. Yeah. <laughs> Um, Why not? Why yeah. not? We're, we're, we're art dealers, really. You <laughs> yeah. know? Um, but, you know, your RPG, it, it, it helps if it looks good. And more importantly, I think, if um, the how it looks evokes the world. And I think to exactly. actually answer the question, that is, um, that's my most appealing aspect of it, is bringing um, that art and turning the mm -hmm. mechanics and the setting information and all that to reflect the art and let people play in that world of, you know, mm -hmm. the landscapes that um, Hamish Freighter creates or the um, wonderful pilot art that um uh, francesco does or the you know huge industrial mechs that alex does and just being able to control those yeah. and them working and doing cool stuff and mm. being in that world is um is, and i think i think we've yeah i think we've nailed it there to be honest like it's we've yeah yeah, yeah absolutely. I, think, I think it's quite strong yeah yeah no so absolutely in the same way that quest is obviously a very beautiful book itself and very sort of straightforward I mean, you do yourselves down because, yeah, everyone's, I think, will be brought in by the design. Yeah, it is definitely a coffee book. I would definitely have it on the table for people to look into it. But then the writing itself, as you were saying, Alid, it's like, oh, it's very straightforward. There is a voice in there that evokes this feeling of, like, here are the mechs. Here, here's that sort of that line between the hard sci-fi and the fantasy and do whatever you want sort of thing. And that's yeah. great. I think that's, I, I always find RPG books that you can just read. And then you, then yeah. you're like, I want to play a game because some people will be like, I'm going to play a game and not, and they're like, okay, but I can do my own thing. On this this already invokes so much tone and feeling. It, it like I can instantly see, I know what this game is, and I know like this is the voice in it, in it, and I want to play that. If you see what I mean, rather than the other way around. Not that you're doing yourselves down, but the writing it definitely supports this, and I, I think it's just a beautiful combination on that front. So good job, guys. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, um, I mean. To be honest, yeah, as I write it, I find myself excited to play it, which I think must be a good sign. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, it's just, um, yeah, I really, I mean, I want to play it more. I want to play test it. We've got so many more ideas. Anyway, yeah, okay. uh, that's a good question to go on to then. What could be a good story set in Salvage Union? So 
relieve a core of players uh, unsurprisingly as the name implies finding salvage um, within the wastelands and and a lot of uh, early um, scenarios and adventures um, including the scenario of the downing of the Atticos, um, which is one in quick start guide um, mm-hmm. as well as the scenario um diogo um is working on for us um he's the guy who wrote um hall of the blood kings uh, which i believe won an any he um and it's basically a race for salvage. Gotta, 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 gotta do the name drop yeah you gotta do it right? now yeah. 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 I, sorry did, did i drop oh it's yeah, oh, you want to pick yeah, that up yeah i do pr what can i say i'm shameless can you say, yeah. uh, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah um long story short be um i think the, the most fun stories um initially are going to be a race for salvage so mm-hmm. you um other salvagers wastelanders and of course the corpos who are like the um oligarchic corporations who still run the um world and have a lot of power and resources are all going to be hunting out for whether it's rare off minerals or a downed ship or a colossal mech that just crumbles and all racing for that um, mm-hmm. but um beyond that there's um there's a lot of scope it's meant to be a sort of um, a bit of a kitchen sink setting in that way um in a way we were i think we were inspired by like early 40k where it wasn't quite set in stone and everything was quite eclectic and got inspired from a lot of like different sources um like mm-hmm. you know, yeah, and alien and all sorts of other stuff yeah there's, there's there's a lot of influences in there sort of like you know mad max fallout dune um you know mm-hmm. basically any any to any post-apocalyptic desert setting we've probably lifted something from them um and then like you know same same for all the different mech franchises you know we've, we've probably stolen a little bit from everything um oh also actually i would just point out that um all the corpos live in arcologies and that is 100 lifted from SimCity 2000 um, because um, i was fascinated by the concept of an arcology and i was like right okay yeah that's the future of the world um yeah. and also a bit of 2000 ad as well um uh, quite heavily um uh for the wasteland sort of vibes Mm, yeah Mm. um so yeah story-wise like for me i was kind of very much of the opinion that you know you could basically write you mean you could write in political intrigue if you want and then it's just all corporate espionage and Mm. you know you you might be you know salvage union but you know you've been hired by some corpos to you know infiltrate another corporate arco or like you know something Mm. like that or you know yeah um some sort of like really weird esoteric tales out in the wasteland or like you know yeah there's so much that you can do with kind of a setting like that, which is why we're sort of designing a couple of different modes as well. So it's not mm-hmm. just really campaign mode. Yeah, I mean, the core of play is split up into campaign mode, which we do see as the main mode. Um, and that's uh, meant for like, a sort of more traditional long-term game. Um, you start off um, with a mech and pilot that you create yourself. We're going to add full character creation rules for both mechs and pilots and they'll start off um maybe um with a few basic abilities the mechs might be more lightweight and have a few basic weapons and systems and all that jazz and then you'll go out into the wastes um on your kind of union crawler which is your um sort of your your ship um which sort of but it walks along of course um in the wastes and you'll go off that pick up salvage and then use all that salvage to upgrade um your systems and mechs and eventually get multiple mechs and encounter the vast denizens of the wastes and that's for that's a sort of main exploration campaign mode um, mm-hmm. and then to counter that we've got mission mode which is a more focused narrative driven thing which is for like one shots or like maybe mm-hmm. two to three sessions and that's more like hey you know uh, we need to blow up this um dam or we need to um, go and get this salvage or we need to um assassinate this target um 
let's do it and then mm-hmm. and then the yeah. story goes from i think there. i think for the mission mode as well there will we'll probably have a um broader sort of mech building mm-hmm. sort of thing because if you're just going to do a one shot you want to be able to just pick and build your mech from kind of yeah. any of the parts that we Definitely. supply and then obviously the campaign is designed as you know you obviously you get your salvage that you find out what your salvage is when you get back to the crawl you filter through it and you pick out the parts that are good and work and um, then obviously that gives you a list of components essentially that you can then use to craft the systems and modules in a sort of minecrafty kind of mm-hmm. way yeah it sort of brings in that little bit of you know a little bit of loot boxiness perhaps but um, mm-hmm. obviously you don't have to pay for them so i think it's okay <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm always for introducing that with the, with the GM or something to be like, oh, you want that? It's 20 quid. <laughs> what? Yeah. Yeah, no, microtransactions in your game, right? Why not? Absolutely. Um, I'm sure yeah. someone's done that on a, on a D&D stream and like, you want a natural 20? It's going to cost yeah. you. Get me, let me get my card machine out, you know. Yeah, you can you can literally buy it. The most meta of meta currencies. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, um, I think, unironically, I think some streams do that, don't they? Like you can pay, no, do, yeah. the audience can pay for a yeah. re-roll or a yeah, yeah, the, the one sword or whatever. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. If you're looking forward to five years, ten years' time, I wonder what your predictions are for RPGs in general. Obviously, I, you said you spoke briefly about your playtesting and all that sort of thing. Obviously, this is your first uh, sort of big venture as together as Leyland Plus, even though you have your other ones as well. I guess, what do you think will be the sort of the predictions for RPGs? You think? Ooh, that's um, it's a big question. That's a question. So don't, there's yeah, no right answer, think, as we know. I think it's definitely the the industries that definitely getting bigger, and I think. It's just, it feels like the whole, I guess, geek or nerd sort of culture has opened up just massively in the last kind of 20 years anyway. Yeah, obviously the internet is producing a lot of independent designers and developers, and a lot of them are seeing actually quite great commercial success now. Um, you know, things like Wonder Home and stuff like that, you know, games that just wouldn't have been made like, you know, years ago. Um, and, um, you know, yeah, like other stuff like Morkborg, you know, like Morkborg, you know, wouldn't have been funded. I mean, it's a lovely book. It's an art book though. Like, you know, I mean, the, the layout's fantastic. You know, I'm a big fan of Johans, but um, no one in a commercial setting would approach a layout like that because they yeah. say, how how the hell am I supposed to read these rules? What is going on on this page? I have no idea. No, <laughs> no, that's not happening. That's, you know, we're not doing that. And, okay. you know, it's like, which is such a shame. But then uh, obviously, like, I think, the type and variety that we're going to get is only going to expand. And mm-hmm. like, you know, you see it just in the last kind of like five years, you know, what used to be considered like a crazy successful RPG Kickstarter that wasn't done by like Paizo or Wizards yeah, would yeah. be like, and a crazy successful one might be like 20 to 40,000 pounds. Mm-hmm. Now, like, you know, you can mothership like, you know, nearly a million pounds. Like, you know, I mean, they may have broken a million now. I'm not sure. Um, I checked yesterday and they were at like 950,000. And that's pounds as well, not dollars. They were all mm. way over in dollars. And you're kind of like, you know, that's, they're a really small company. You know, they're, they're not like a big concern. Mm. And um, so, yeah, I mean, congratulations to them. Like, you know, love Mothership. But mm. um, yeah, you know, so I, I think it's only, and that demonstrates that the market is there, I guess, is what I'm, yeah. what I'm getting at. Because, you know, it's, it's not the sort of like, it's not the 5e players, you know, the uh, sort of or the old school set in the ways guys that are necessarily buying this stuff, you know, there, there oh. has to be a new market for it. So, yeah, I think, um, you know, maybe we've got in at the right time, you know. Definitely. Um, yeah, I mean, it's hard to um, predict the future. I mean, in 10 years' time on a personal level, I don't know, I might be laying bricks for a <laughs> <laughs> um, Don't manifest day. that, Panny. You're going to be I'm, like, 
like success, success. Manifest that. Is that is that how it works? No, um, I mean quite quite honestly though, given how much we get currently paid, which is to say nothing, being a bricklayer <laughs> is actually quite profitable. Yeah, no, I mean, as far as I'm aware. So like you know, that's, that's why yeah. I'm I'm making my official announcement. But I'm, wow, yeah, right yeah. now on this podcast. Yeah, right, right now on this podcast. <laughs> okay. um, yeah, I don't know, like. Yeah, I mean, as Alan said, obviously the industry is um, blowing up um, and wider, like geekdom and nerddom and Marvel and video games and all that jazz. Mm-hmm. Um, it's hard to say. Uh, what I feel like it is, I feel like it's sort of like how the video game industry was maybe 30 years ago-ish, mm-hmm. like where it was, like there was still a lot of indie companies um, popping up um, that were creating um, games. Like, I mean, we mentioned Sid Meier's um, Civilization, mm-hmm. like um, I think he started on a... I, uh, yeah, small in- indie company. The name um, escapes me, or relatively small. Um, uh, Firaxis Games. Oh yes, Firaxis. Firaxis yeah, the one. Yeah. yeah, and there was a lot of companies like that. Even, I mean, even EA <laughs> in that time, mm. like small, yeah. um, small fry. Even Nintendo really was small fry. Um, then relative to um, the other media giants. Um, mm. Yeah, like Sony, Panasonic, and stuff like that. Right, like you know, yeah, they were tiny. Yeah. So I feel we're kind of in um, that space, and we're also in a space where, like, you know, the manic miners, the bedroom code of this world um can still do stuff and get yes. like, quite um quite a lot of success with it and even like mainstream yeah. um mm. success to a degree and i guess the question is like is it a bit of a super super happy bubble um mm. or is it something that will continue and grow and increase and then what does that look like i mean i think it's one of those things right so i i kind of have the feeling that because games and particularly like tabletop games and stuff like that is relatively recession proof as well even mm. if like the entire world you know goes to you know hell in a handcart then we're like as as an industry fairly insulated from that just because of the fact that it, it's not an expensive hobby i mean it is because obviously you buy every book and you buy all the special editions and you have like you know shelves full of games that you never play but you know it doesn't have to be an expensive hobby is what i'm trying to say um yeah, but no, um but, it, but it's true but people buy books all the time that they don't read and then they keep them on their shelves and you're like you yeah move them and get rid of them no like, no, no, so, no 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 these are so they're I, precious I think, to me yeah exactly um, yeah. But, I, but i do think there's a, like you're saying like i do think there is weight in like you don't buy an rpg necessary to play it you could just do it to read it i know there's some people who just do that and they just enjoy yeah. reading through yeah the, the reading like experience yeah but i mean I, I certainly do yeah and i i completely agree as well that idea that there is something for everyone and obviously beautiful thing with kickstarter all yeah. these funding platforms so you can put something out there and a hundred people might go love that here's some money to do it and and yeah, yeah you're right i think it's at a time now where you, it is growing and I, yes well obviously we do have the big overlords of certain companies and stuff like that but i think there's something beautiful because if your game is beautiful and it's interesting and is that niche audience those niche people are out there and they will find it and is, is, yeah. and is that unfortunately it goes back to that whole signal boosting <laughs> and marketing thing about like here's yeah. my game it is good I and promise. then they're like yes yeah. yes and so i it is it is that now and i think it's, it's getting better as a result because i think people are out there and they are looking for it so yeah, yeah. It's, it's an i think time. i think it's the, the the one thing for me that would be like i'm not sure what would what could potentially break it would be um like a big company started just buying up all the little studios because that's what happened in the video game world right mm. um but then i'm not sure if that can ever actually happen either with mm. like ttr because the, the the investment to actually make a game is so low 
Mm. Um, you know, it's, it's just writing and okay, art and layout, I suppose. But you know, um, there's a lot of ways around that. Yeah, I wonder. I don't know. Anyway, sorry, I'm rambling now. Um, no, it's, no, uh, it's certainly. It's a very great question. Um, <laughs> no, I, I just always think it's quite interesting because, like, again, because you've now put together this amazing Kickstarter, which is doing incredibly mm. well, and you've put out games as well. It is just interesting, I guess, to see, like, you know, maybe I guess mm. it's the problem is always like, what is success? Is it numbers or is it people actually playing the game? Because what I've discovered yeah like and hopefully you know at some point you know touch wood that i'll be able to run salvage union for this podcast as well it's i loved you know when i when i put it out there and link it back to designers they'll go oh someone's played my game brilliant and they'll yeah. listen to it and that that's for me is amazing because i'm like oh so what's yeah, this? Yeah, yeah. for obviously game designers like, someone's played it and i wasn't involved ah you know yeah no thing. someone someone who picks it up on their own and then actually runs it and then tells you that they had a good time running it exactly. is like it's the most heartwarming thing it just makes you go oh you know yeah it's Something like um, but in a good yeah, yeah like that it is it's, but in, a, in a positive way it's a very yeah. positive yeah. way and i think that that's my thing i hope that more people do actual plays of stuff and tag people in it so that you can see yeah. where your work has gone to <clears throat> in the world so so i guess our sort of penultimate question if somebody was to run one of your games whether it is salvage union or or i, I appreciate obviously shadow of mog and uh, uh mutants as well they're all very different in terms of topics but if you if you yeah. had ad an advice any advice for somebody who wanted to run one of your games what would that advice be so I think the core of all our games um, sort of, I guess, goes back to um, what I was saying a bit earlier about like player agency. Like I think um, all our games are about like um, empowering players and empowering um, games masters uh, to run the things that they want to run and giving them like the framework and the structures and the cool art and setting to do that. Um, so yeah, my that would be my takeout. Just like, um, yeah, focus on that, like focus on what your players want to do and let them do it. And yeah, that would be... That'll be it. And I think all our games evoke that um, to one degree or another, but they are um, quite different in um, their many varied ways. For me, it would be probably just my my general sort of GMing advice, which is prepare nothing. Um, <laughs> <laughs> don't, don't prepare anything at all because it's completely pointless and you'll regret it. Um, maybe, maybe write about four or five sentences and um, call it a day. Um, and um, yeah, that, 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 to be fair as well, though, that's that. That's kind of just touches on what Paddy was saying. Like most of our games are designed kind of for that as well. Um, like either prepare nothing and run a module, or you know, be be prepared to improv. But um, I don't know. Sometimes it goes well. Sometimes it goes badly, though. To be fair, but um, I'm I, I never used to like running modules because I was always kind of like, no, 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 it's fine. We'll just you know, I'll make something up. And um, now, when you've got like a lot more maybe on your on your mind and you're thinking about different things, I'm kind of like, no, actually, modules, modules are brilliant. Um, I'm gonna just write loads of modules. And um, yeah, no, modules, modules are amazing. Let's buy all of them and never run them, obviously, because, you know, I'll present them all on a map for the players to go to the various areas and they will inevitably say, well, yeah, but there's a bit of sea here. Can we get on a pirate boat, please, and go out to an island? And then, yeah, eventually we had to write Isle of Glaslin and then that's that's how that came about. And you're like, oh, um, there's, no, there's no modules there. Well, great. <laughs> yeah, no, so we'll just, we'll just keep sailing around the world, going to places where you haven't written any, no. purchased any content for. But yeah, no, um, prepare enough. I think that, that's that's why. Um, I mean, to add to that, um, <laughs> so we'd hope um, that um, the stuff we create um, provides um, a lot of structure and um, information and tools and utilities, so that when a um, when a uh, games master comes to um, pick up and run the modules we have or learn the systems, um, that they have um, everything they um, need to feel confident to run the game, even if um, it's they're somewhat light on 
prep. And I do agree, like, um, you can certainly over prep. Um, I think a little bit of prep, um, for me at least, is, <laughs> sorry, sorry, is useful. Wait, what's, was, what's was that, Sorry, what's Penny, was that line? a really, really bad PR answer that I just threw out? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, just, yeah, just don't buy any of our stuff. Just don't no, worry no, about no. it. Just, don't prep, just no take modules. A D6. Just take a D6 and go to town. And take don't... a D6 and a notepad is all you need, yeah, really. Invite your friends, right? I didn't, um, I didn't even take a notepad to the woods no, once. I carved don't. the dice out of the wood. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I, I, I see both sides of it. Like, I, I yeah. definitely am someone who always used to overprep, and now it's just like, yeah. it's having the confidence to do that. That's the thing. It's just like to go mm. in and not panic that you've not done enough prep or you've done no prep. It's like, embrace it and lean into it a little bit. Like, you've got this the system, yeah. you can refer to it, and it is helpful. You know, like, in that sense, it's like, here's the stuff you need, but you, you can read it through just a couple of times. You don't need to write copious notes. You don't have to do stuff. So I think both yeah. of those, both answers are good. I, it is a good PR answer. Don't, don't worry. I don't it's a true it. answer. Well. <laughs> I like true game answer. structures. Um, yeah. I like game structures. That's what I like. Um, um, things so, that help me, help yeah. prompt me to know what to do next. Yeah, absolutely. So, where can we find you, your work? What you know, what's coming up for Leyline Press? And yeah, what what are your plans for the future? Well, the, uh, the Kickstarter campaign for Salvage Union is now um, absolutely live. Um, hopefully by the time you're hearing this, fingers crossed, it's funded. Um, and we, uh, you can find that uh, if you just search uh, Salvage Union on Kickstarter. Uh, you can also visit our website, uh, leyline.press. Um, you can follow us on uh, Twitter and Instagram um, at Leyline Press. And you can also follow Salvage Union at Salvage Union. Upcoming projects, we've got a lot of ideas coming up. I know, Alan, anything you want to highlight? Oh well, I mean that's the thing. Are we? Oh, what are we talking about? Um, yeah. Uh, so yeah, next next Zine Quest, um, we will be um, releasing Werewolves, the long-awaited sequel to Mutants, um, uh, which is about um, dogs um, rather than the cats. Yeah, that that one I'm sort of excited for um, because it's it's such a it's a nice light project. Like obviously we did um, Andromeda uh, for Mothership, and then we've done Salvage Union, which is obviously a big project. And then um, it'll be nice to get back to something. About Bit sort of lighter. We've got a couple of other things that we're working on as well, um, uh, which we're sort of quite excited about. Uh, one that I'm particularly excited about, but um, I, I think we're probably not really but, discussing. Them, yeah, don't but, discuss. Uh, you yeah. don't discuss anything. To, you don't want to commit yourselves to. Or yeah, anything like exactly. That. So yeah. No, no worries. No yeah. worries. Oh, that's uh, werewolves. Werewolves. The next one on the radar. And there's also a Patreon as well, where we do something every month. So we probably were remiss not to not to discuss that. Yeah, I was just saying to Patreon, we send you an old school um, essentials, um, which is a BXD and D module. Um, every um, month uh, we do it in digital and um, in riso printed um, form and um, indeed I think our main focus is really going to be Salvage Union this year mm -hmm. and um, other stuff may yeah. come up but I think that's really mm -hmm. going to be a core we're just going to um, try and make that as good as uh, possible for when it fulfills again because I know uh, you, you folks are in London I know you've been doing some play tests of Salvage Union do you have any of those coming up soon or are you, are you doing them on a regular basis for people who are in London who want to have a go at this system yeah, so actually you can join the Salvage Union Discord, which you can find links for on our um, website, leyland.press, and we're running weekly uh, playtest games there. I'm running some, uh, my good friend uh, Lloyd um, is running some as well, and we're encouraging people to come in and um, run playtests and whatnot um, too. Um, in terms of in-person playtests, uh, 
watch this space and we live yeah. <laughs> we live in difficult times to meet up we unfortunately do. but um but i am we are planning um yeah in-person meetups and playtests and stuff like that as well in london yeah and of course yeah discord is the perfect place to do some playtests and just to meet like-minded people who love mechs and doing rpgs yeah. so That's amazing it, yeah. brilliant thank you so much guys it's been absolutely wonderful to talk yeah, to you i've been in really enjoying this uh, the quick start and you know fingers crossed for the kickstarter i manifesting it it's going to be successful you're going to have an amazing time and yeah, it's all good uh, thanks very much i'm hoping to do more of these special q a bonus episodes in the future including q a's on the one shots we've run here at what am i rolling if you have a question or you know an rpg designer you would like to see interviewed on this podcast let us know via the email address that's what am i rolling podcast at gmail.com and that's it great thanks <laughs> <laughs>